Hi, I'm Arsha. And I'm Amy. This is Blood Tide, a mother-daughter storytelling podcast. Welcome back, BT buddies. Welcome back. Today's episode is an actual Marsha mini unlike last week's episode because we have a lot going on the week of this recording. We have both my parents' birthdays and we're going to the beach the weekend of Mother's Day. So since this is our first birthday while recording this podcast, I wanted to make a big deal and mention it. So cue the birthday music. It's your birthday. Happy birthday, it's your birthday, happy birthday, it's a great day. And happy birthday, mom. Thanks, Amy. And I just (laughs) want to say also, thanks for the recognition that it's my birthday, it's my birthday, it's my birthday. It will be your birthday, and yes, you say that to me every year because back in the early 2000s, we used to watch a show on MTV called The Osbournes. Hey, Amy. Yeah? Quick clarification point. Uh, You made me watch that. Thank you. Um, I'm pretty sure we watched every episode together and you enjoyed it. You took a saying from the show, Mom. So that is the definition of enjoying a show. So anyway, Kelly Osborne used to say that my birthday, my birthday three times thing. And ever since then, on my mom's birthday, she loves to say it. It's her favorite thing to say. And she does it every year. So yeah, little little fun fact about my mom's birthday there. Amy, it's still my birthday. It's not even your birthday yet. So it's almost my birthday, which almost. counts. Okay. It's the month of Marsha's birthday. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. We also wanted to share the survey results from our last episode where we asked, would you let your daughter or would your mother have let you join a resistance group? A hundred percent of participants said, no, not, not a su- surprise. <laughs> Jinx. Yeah, not a surprise for me, at least, because I'm kind of a chicken in that sense. I don't think that I would have been like into the fighting aspect. You probably would have, but I think I would have. I think I would have tried. Yeah, I think I would have been better like in the um, the background, the back office operations. <laughs> yeah, doing the Morse code. Yeah, the Morse code, letting you know that the Nazis were on Hunter Street and you could go attack. In an encrypted format, right? Because otherwise everyone would know what you're saying because everyone... Yes, mother. Your security conscious mind. Yes, Yes. encrypted. And a big thank you to all our BT buddies who did respond to that survey. Yes, thank you so much. All right, that's enough of the business. Let's get into the Birthday Girls Marsha's mini episode. Thanks, Amy. We're going to delve into the supernatural in this episode with a story, a ghost story, actually, about a mother-daughter that takes place in the early 1900s in the Windsor Hotel in Americus, Georgia. Dum, dum, dum. Trigger warning for today's episode. This story mentions domestic violence and prostitution. Let's visit Americus, a city in the southwest of Georgia. 
named for the Italian navigator, Americus Vespucci. Americus was the eighth largest city in Georgia at the turn of the 20th century, with about, I think, 7,600 people. Americus was dubbed the metropolis of southwest Georgia, and as a growing city, there was a lot of hustle and bustle going on every day. There was a huge cotton distribution center, which I'm sure had many people working there. Yeah, probably provided a lot of jobs. A lot of jobs, right? They had Georgia's first chartered electric streetcar in 1890, and the railroad... Can I ask a silly question? Electric streetcar. That's not like the electric cars we have now. No, not at all. It was, I think... like (laughs) You should have just seen the way my mom looked at me. I can't believe you asked me that question. Amy. No, I'm. Well, oh, it's like a. It's like a. It's a like in bus. California and San okay, Francisco. Okay, how they're, Yeah, they're okay. Well, right. that streetcar. Okay, I just was miss. I, yes, I understand. Okay. Right. So they use streetcar earlier to mean something different than what we mean now. Yeah, okay. Or the electric. Understood. Understood. Right. I was just thrown off for a second. That's okay. The growth of Americas during this time was so pivotal that. Later on, in 1976, the city center of Americus was listed on the National Register of Historic Places as the Americus Historic District. During my research, I learned that the U.S. National Register of Historic Places is a function of the U.S. National Park Service. I had no idea. That was interesting to me. But actually, it kind of makes sense because historic places need to be cared for, and it seems like a natural extension for the Park Service to take care of those treasured historic structures, just like they do with our amazing national parks. I'm pretty sure they didn't talk about that on Parks and Rec, but you don't watch that. You didn't watch that show. No. And so to close this out, the Windsor Hotel was a contributing property that helped get Americus on that register and become a national registered American historic district. I think it's important to talk about how the Windsor Hotel came to be. Created in 1892 at an estimated cost of about, I've heard anywhere from 80000 to 150000 And in today's money, that's about 2 to $4 million. Uh, the Windsor was a five-story Victorian building with 100 rooms. It had towers and balconies and a gorgeous three-story open atrium. It was designed by Gottfried L. Norman, a Swedish architect from Atlanta, and a few local businessmen from America's worked together to fund this hotel. The Windsor was a beautiful hotel, Amy. We would have definitely tried to stay there if we could have afforded it. It was built to attract snowbirds or folks from up north that when it got cold up north, they wanted to come down south. It was elegant. It was luxurious gathering place for the wealthy and the influential. It spanned almost an entire city block. Wow. Huge. It boasted electric lighting (laughs) at that time and also silverware place setting for each dining guest. Was silverware not something that they had in hotels back then? I wonder. I guess it wasn't because I I mean, they mentioned it in your research. Yeah, they mentioned it a couple times. Like it was. And with your stay, silverware. (laughs) Thank you. The grand opening was on June 16th of 1892, and it was an immediate success. Most publishings of the America's Times Recorder, a local newspaper, listed events being held at the Windsor Hotel all the time. Examples like the Masons hosted some kind of ball, the Shriners had an event, there were holiday dinners, they talked about like the Easter dinner and what the menu was and making reservations. Uh, veteran reunions happened there. So lots of, lots of activity going on all the time. 
The rich, famous, and political icons of the time visited or stayed at the Windsor. Ooh, fancy. Exactly. It was the place to be seen. Some of the famous people who attended events at the hotel or stayed overnight included former President Jimmy Carden and his wife Rosalind. Vice President Thomas R. Marshall gave a speech in 1917. And the soon-to-be New York governor, Franklin D. Roosevelt, spoke there in 1928. Charles Lindbergh has a room named after him, the Lindbergh Private Dining Room. There were whispers that Al Capone spent the night, as well as John Dillinger and a Prince of Morocco. Hmm. VIPs. VIPs, yeah. But like any business, there were good and challenging times for the Windsor Hotel. Ownership changed hands from time to time. There was a period when the hotel was not really active and fell into disarray. It took an infusion of about five to eight million to restore that historic building back to a beautiful place for the famous to gather again. Don't forget to check out our Instagram for episode related posts at Blood Tide Podcast. In a January 12, 1923 article from the America's Times Recorder titled Charles U. Rogers resigns as manager. The proprietor of the Windsor Hotel explained he wanted the hotel to be a home for the commercial traveler, where he will receive a glad hand the minute he enters its doors. I want every guest to find a clean, comfortable room, a well-balanced meal, and the most pleasant surroundings. And this description of what was expected in the hotel informed Emily May, who was the head housekeeper there, uh, her job duties. She was quite busy with her daily work duties. She would have been responsible for scheduling staffing, managing expenses, ensuring all rooms and public areas met the hotel standards, or the ones that I just described, of cleanliness, uh, keeping to the standards outlined by management and all of the activities going on at the hotel. I imagine the head housekeeper would have been very busy most days at work. Some of the research suggested she lived on site at the hotel with her young daughter, Abigail. Being a young girl, Abigail played in the hotel hallways and followed her mother around while she worked. It reminds me of Eloise at the Plaza, those books. But man, that must have been really tough, having all those responsibilities and having your child just running around the hotel, like always worrying if they're going to get into something. It must have been really difficult for her. For sure it must have been. I mean, it is tough being a mom and, and working inside or outside of the house. I wonder what the pay was like for this head housekeeping position because it was rumored that Emily may entertain men for extra money. Ooh, I wish I could whistle. Cat whistle. I can't do it either. Um, Yeah, so let me just restate that. She entertained men for money. There are other words for that, but I think it's self-explanatory. I guess it was convenient working and living in a hotel. (laughs) (laughs) really there's other words for that she was a prostitute um not sure what management thought or what they did or didn't know so she was the housekeeper right she did she did uh roll down or what's that just roll down service yeah it's called and then turn down turn down down service service. oh before she did turn down service no she would have her johns come in the room and then she cleaned the room it's you mean the room was already dirty it's just a sequencing activity it's not making it more dirty 
Prostitution was illegal in the vast majority of the U.S. under the vagrancy laws at that time. And it was the domain of each state to decide how they treat prostitution. Despite Emily May's supplemental income stream, there was a somewhat constant man in her life. Not sure if he was a husband or a long-term partner or kind of like she was his favorite. Her sugar daddy. (laughs) Maybe. One day, Emily May was working on the third floor of the Windsor Hotel. I imagine she was inspecting the rooms after they were cleaned or maybe slipping out of a gentleman's room, counting her extra money, making it rain money, and she ran into her regular guy. The the guy that she's dating, her husband or long-term partner? Yeah. Okay. There was no name for him, so we'll just call him John. (laughs) Well, John was done with Emily May's second job. Whether he just learned about it or knew about it for a while, he reached his limit. It's alleged there was a loud, angry conversation between John and Emily May. John's, Scandalous. Exactly. John's threats scared Abigail, and she ran to her mother's side to hold her hand. Aw. Ooh, that was perfect timing. <laughs> it's thundering where we live. <laughs> wow, that was loud. Abigail's presence, though, didn't deter John, and the encounter quickly escalated to a physical confrontation. The story goes, without realizing it, or maybe with full knowledge, John shoved Emily May and Abigail into the open door of the elevator that led into the elevator shaft. He shoved the little girl, too? She was holding the hand, and he shoved them. What an a-hole. Emily May and Abigail, hand in hand, plummeted three floors down oh the elevator God, shaft. It, the elevator wasn't there. Yeah, oh my God. and smacked onto a hard surface to face an untimely joint death. Oh my God! They fell to their death, Amy. Horrible, but fast. And I read that when they were found dead, they were still holding each other's hands. Oh my gosh, this story's so sad, Mom. <laughs> I know it is. They were both so young and still had so much to experience and accomplish when they met that premature death. What an a-hole. Why does nobody know this guy's name? You know, (laughs) I know records and stuff back then. Right. Since that day of their death, though, hotel staff and guests have shared unexplained feelings and experiences. Some guests staying on the third floor have called guest services with a request to please tell the little girl running up and down the hallway to stop. Others have seen the outline of a woman in a long black dress looking back at them when they look in the mirror. Strange power outages of the lights just on the third floor frequently happen. There's been so much paranormal activity at the Windsor Hotel that the hotel hosts the Windsor Hotel Historic Haunted Tours for $12 a person. Available every night starting at 8 and lasting for about 45 minutes. (laughs) How convenient. I have a bone to pick, though, with the sightings. A woman in a black dress. Um, Didn't she work there? So I don't know. Would she be in a black dress or would she be in a uniform? Maybe it was from her second job. (laughs) (laughs) Her evening. Oh, yeah. She right. He did push her right when she came out of, like, being with a guy. Okay. So... This hotel, it's still going on today. Like, if we wanted to go take this tour, we could? Yes, it is currently open and located at 125 West Lamar Street in Americus, Georgia. 
it has been the best Western Plus the Windsor best Hotel Western Plus <laughs> since June fifteenth, twenty ten. And it actually looks nice. The pictures online. Look I mean, it used nice. to be like a really expensive hotel, so I mean, it's not like they tore it down and put a Best Western. I think that. You know, they had that renovation, so I think it was in a really bad state. And but I'm after sh- the renovation, it was well, still... After, the- yeah, yeah, after the renovation, right, after a lot of I money was spent. I can't believe all of that, and it is it is now a Best Western. And But I think it also is different, because remember, the original had 100 rooms, and now they have 53 period-style rooms that you can book, including the third floor. It's like that, I was telling you, I... So I watched these TikToks of this girl and she goes to hotels and most, I think it's Best Western is I have to, I would have to double check. I'll put it in the show notes, but she goes to hotels and it's a secret. Most hotels don't tell you about, but they have like theme rooms in the basement and that's what she does on her TikTok. She goes to like these theme rooms and shows them. So I wonder if it's the same one. I want to look it up. And I'll tell you, Amy, for sure. I would pay the $12 for each of us to go and take the tour if we stayed there. Okay, I think just me and you would be interested in that. Your, my dad, your husband, and my husband would not. Every time we drag them to a ghost tour or anything, they're like, oh, this is the worst. <laughs> they don't know. I'm just really confused about this story because you have a mother and child who get murdered and there's no name for their killer or an investigation or anything and they become ghosts. And I, I just don't understand why there was like no information on that. They were ghosted. Now, the research supporting this story was limited and sometimes conflicting. So one article I read was doubting the existence of this mother and daughter, this whole story. But then you have the hotel hosting this ghost tour where they talk about this. There was a group of paranormal researchers that went in and supposedly saw the daughter and the mother. So... I really don't know. I, I would characterize this as this piece as a blend of opinion inferences with some historical details sprinkled in. Sometimes a story is just a story, and we like it because it takes us to a place we haven't experienced before. And, you know, I think ghost stories blur that line between fact and fiction, and that's where we are left with Emily May and Abigail and the Windsor Hotel is that in-between place. I love hauntings and ghost stories, but there's always that element of, is this fact or fiction? I want to know what the BT buddies think. Do you believe in ghosts and or ghost stories? So answer the survey on the Anchor and Spotify platforms, or you can leave us a message on Instagram. And if you've ever visited the best Western in America, let us know. Have you seen the ghosts? Do you believe in the story? Even though that story was short, it was really like shocking and crazy what happened to them. If if it's true, my favorite part was the thunder in the background. It was perfect companion to the ghost and haunting story. I agree, Amy. And maybe there's a road trip in our future. That would be fun. And we could do like a part two. We actually go and film it for like our Instagram. <laughs> that could be fun and interesting. One last quick comment, Amy. It's uh-huh. my birthday. It's my birthday. It's my birthday. Technically, not yet. <laughs> Still my birthday. Okay. Happy birthday, mom. Thank you, sweetheart. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. We appreciate all your support and we have some exciting announcements that are going to be coming very soon. Um, Join us May 26th for another episode. Until then, be social and join the BT Buddies by following us on Instagram at 
Blood Tide Podcast. Twitter at Blood Tide Stories. Or shoot us an email at bloodtidepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day wherever you are.